What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Pac-12 Podcast on the Locked On Sports Podcast Network, your team every day. In this case, your conference, the Conference of Champions. I'm your host, Emily Van Buskirk, and it is Monday, which means one thing on the Locked On Pac-12 Podcast. It is recap day. We are going to go over all four of the Pac-12 games that took place this weekend, this past weekend, and you know, dive into the stats, the numbers, the quotes, the performances, everything that we can look at for these games, we will look at, starting with Friday night's Oregon State-Washington battle and ending with the Washington State-Cal craziness that happened um, Saturday night. So as always, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, please, please um, subscribe and download. Also, if you're feeling generous, please leave a review and rate the podcast. Let me know what I could be doing better. Let me know how you feel about it by the amount of stars you give it. (laughs) Um, Constructive criticism is always appreciated. And while you're at it, go ahead and follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore PAC12. Join in the conversation there or follow me on my personal handle, at MLNEM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M, and talk some college football to me on Twitter. I absolutely love it. Any time of the day or night, I am always game to talk college football, Pac-12 or otherwise. You know, a lot of crazy stuff happened this weekend outside of the Pac-12, and we will touch on that at the end of the show. But to start things off, I think we're just going to start at the beginning because that's where all great stories start. And we're going to look at the Washington-Oregon State game. Now, I know in my preview um, episode on Friday that I picked Oregon State to win. I thought they had a lot of momentum. And I honestly still stand by that prediction because I think if Oregon State had played their Oregon State game, they would have won. Um, I mean, Washington did only put up 19 points on them, but the problem is that the Beavers only put up seven. So the Huskies defeated the Beavers 19-7 to Friday night in Corvallis. And there's some interesting stats here. Let's look at this. Uh, quarterback Jake Luton, 19 of 28 for 88 yards. That's it. And you know what's funny is I should have looked up what Luton's averaging, um, and maybe we can go ahead and I can Google that real quick, what he's averaging this year because obviously they were having issues on offense. I mean, that was the first question that they were asked in the post game is why couldn't they get anything going on offense, um, you know, and I think it's funny because Washington State's um, – I mean, Washington's uh, defense, not particularly great. So I think Oregon State thought they would have more of a chance. They only had first six first downs, and they were one of 13 on third down, which another just heartbreaking stat there. 119 yards of total offense versus Washington's 420. Now, Easton was Jacob Easton, the Washington quarterback, was a little more you know, productive, 16 of 32, not great, 175 yards, better, uh, two interceptions, actually worse than um, Luton. But the other problem is that Oregon State's rushing game, their running game could not get going. 31 total rushing yards, uh, 22 attempts, they averaged 1.4 yards 
per rush. One of the more interesting stats, Washington with nine penalties for a loss of 70 yards still still couldn't, you know, quell um, the Husky spirit, even though they were not doing themselves any favor in the penalty front. John Canizano wrote an article um, talking about Oregon State, and and it's it's you should check it out, um, OregonLive.com. He says they must face Oregon State must face its biggest shortcoming after a loss to Washington Huskies. He then goes on to talk about you know he what has to change for Oregon State. It didn't. It wasn't always nice. The article is not always nice, but it's truthful. Um, it is. The problem is that Oregon State played small up front, and that is what the article is is all about. You know, Washington, he says Washington didn't just beat Oregon State in 1907. It suffocated the Beavers' run game and sacked the pass game. Seven tackles for a loss. Four Jake Luton sacks, only 119 yards of total offense for the home team. So that kind of problem has to be fixed, especially if you're going to be playing teams in the Pac-12. He then goes on, you know, to talk about um, – how this could be fixed, how they need to remedy it, and and so forth and so forth. Washington basically says Washington played big, Oregon State played played small. Football is a big person game. I love that quote from him. We need to get Canizano on the podcast. I'm going to work on that um, for you guys maybe next week because I am trying to go to Oregon State ASU, so I will work on talking uh, to him about coming on. His stuff is always so funny. I feel bad, though. You feel bad reading it because you feel bad for Oregon State. They clearly have a home problem, um, which is weird because, and this is something that's unique to the conference, the home team doesn't play as well as it does than the the road team. Um, And that's the same that goes for Oregon State. They play better on the road. Um, now to be fair, you know, it's the competition isn't always, it depends on who you get each year is going to be different. You know, sometimes you have a strong home schedule. Sometimes you have a weak one. It obviously alternates years, but, um, very interesting that the Beavers, you know, opposing offenses come in and, and, um, do better against a Beaver team at Research Stadium. Very interesting. Um, Oregon State continues to have issues against physical teams, and that's something, you know, you can't fix that overnight. So while Jonathan Smith is fixing a lot of the culture and the mentality, like we've heard from Oregon State uh, writers on this podcast, that the, the culture has changed, you can't always, you know, it takes time to recruit the kind of, tough physical athletes to compete. So that hopefully is something that we'll see in in the coming um, years. So, And that's something that's interesting enough that Stanford used to be well-known for and have kind of regressed in that area. And whether or not that's just a cycle thing when you're recruiting and you're just getting certain guys or not, um, time will tell. What's interesting about this Oregon State-Washington game is, yes, the stats are terrible and it looks bad, but the Beavers gave up 420 yards of offense to Washington, but it took 81 plays by Washington and a second half where Oregon State's defense had no rest because basically the offensive meltdown was so clear. So 
Oregon State had more pass breakups than any other game this season, and they had a season-high two interceptions, one of them for a touchdown, the only score of the game. Um, they tackled well. So there, I think, in watching the game, I thought there was a lot of positives for Oregon State to take away. Obviously not the result they wanted. Washington, I'm not sure that Washington walked away from that feeling like they really won something, you know? Um, so... All in all, I was wrong. I can admit when I was wrong, but Washington turned out to be the tighter team Friday night in Corvallis. Three more games that we need to look at. You know, we got to see how Washington State melted down against Cal. We have to see Colorado. We're going to talk about Colorado beating Stanford for the first time in who knows how long in a complete turn of events for the Buffs. And then the USC-Arizona State game. Not what I thought, but still always entertaining. So we're going to look into what happened to the Sun Devils and how USC almost gave it up. at the March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Lavisca Chanel just said, you're not used to these interviews. No. Coming in here, you knew you were going to be the kicker, but take me through that kick right there to win this game. I mean, just had to stay confident, cool, composed throughout the whole situation. Uh, great line, great offense, great defense. Couldn't have done it without them. When we talked to Coach Tucker, it was a total team effort. I think yep. this right here kind of solidifies that, that motto. When you look at this team, what is it about them that you guys keep coming back to work and you keep on fighting and you keep believing to, that you can win? I think a lot of it's Coach Tucker, honestly. He's keeping all of us together. He's really bonding us together as a brotherhood. And, like, I don't know, it's something different. It just feels great. What does this feel like right now? Amazing. I did. I mean, I didn't do much. I did the last 1% of the work, but I'm getting all the credit, so... I mean, <laughs> I give, it to the, I give it to the line. Homecoming win for the Buffs. You get some of the credit. Congratulations. Thank you so much. That was Colorado freshman kicker Evan Price after his 37-yard game-winning field goal to seal up the victory for the Colorado Buffaloes. It's crazy because that I did not realize this at the time, but that was the Buffs' first home win in the Mel Tucker era, as you heard, you know, uh, the announcer say, 16-13 victory over the Stanford Cardinal. It's been a while since they've beaten Stanford, and it had been a while since they had won. Five-game losing streak snapped with that victory. Gotta love 
a freshman kicker, who says, I only did 1% of the work. Shout out Evan Price. I hope he gets all of the love this week for that performance. Obviously, this was a tough one. I watched the game with my dad. I was able to watch it home this weekend, and I sat and we watched the whole thing. And as a former Stan- as a Stanford grad himself, it was very hard for him to watch this team this year. Um, but a huge, huge hats off to KJ Costello, who played his heart out, 18 of 29, 245 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Cam Scarlett doing the damn thing, uh, 13 carries for 63 total yards. And uh, Simi Fihoko, Fihoko, love, love seeing him um, at receiver. He had two catches, 96 yards, one heck of a touchdown. But the question has to be asked, after he scores that, Fahoko scores that touchdown, it looks like, you know, Stanford has this momentum. So their next series, you think, okay, the guy that just burned the entire Colorado defense, that's who that's who David Shaw is going to go with. That's who they're going to go to. No, uh, the next drive was three and out, and it was a run, uh, and then uh, two failed passes to not Fahoko, and that was it. And that kind of sealed Stanford's fate was that failed drive, the lack of imagination alone um, was disappointing. But you have to give it up to Colorado and and Steven Montez looking like he hasn't looked all year. I mean, maybe earlier in the season, that's what we saw. But I went into this game very much on the fence about, you know, which Colorado team was going to show up. But that was the Montez that we all know and love. He went 20 of 30, 186 yards, um, only one interception. So... And Colorado was efficient, 6 of 14 on third down. Stanford, 3 of 10. Just not great. And all around, But that's the thing is that when you look at the stats, total yardage is comparable. Stanford, 372 yards. Uh, Colorado, 358. Um, Stanford averaged more yards per pass at 8.4. You know, they had less rushing yards, which understandable. But the penalties... And this is a David Shaw coach team is generally one that does not commit a lot of penalties. Eight penalties for a total loss of 80 yards, just undisciplined. So I'm sure Shaw is going to have some words for his team when it comes down to that uh, this week. Need to clean up a lot of stuff. Um, But hats off to Mel Tucker. Shout out to Coach Chev Cheverini. friend of the podcast and hopefully going to try and get him on this week or next to talk about, you know, what that offense that we saw and, and, you know, what it was like to get that win at home. So big, big win for the Buffaloes. All right, let's talk now. I'm going to save the Cal Washington state game for last because I also made my dad sit down and watch that one with me start to finish all the way to the bitter end which I apologize for making him do, but he actually enjoyed watching it, and he's a little nervous for the big game this year. So um, I will share some of his insight because it's hilarious. But let's look at this ASU, you know, USC game. (laughs) I almost forgot for a second who played. Uh, 31-26 Trojans take home the victory. Now, the first half was very much USC. You know, it they they went off to this they went off on this crazy crazy just rant 
in the beginning of the game to to really assert themselves and their dominance um, over ASU. But the second half was a different game. And that was what was kind of struck, like, it caught me by surprise that, I mean, I like ASU and I think they're a good team. Um, you guys know I've talked about them many times on the podcast. Um, we've had, you know, Coach Likens on to talk about it. But I did not think that it would go down that way. I did not think, especially being in Tempe, I was a little surprised to see ASU kind of roll over in that first half. So I turned it off. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I didn't. Um it was hard. It was it was a little difficult in the beginning. So I, I kind of I turned it off, couldn't watch it. But then, you know, I click back over after a while cuz I'm flipping around to games and then I see that they're coming back. You know, the Sun Devils, here they go. And they're doing it without Daniels, which Crazy, right? Joey Yellen, 28 of 44, 292 yards, averaged 6.6 yards per pass, four touchdowns, okay? Two interceptions, understandable, happens. The problem was Eno Benjamin not getting loose. 20 carries for 52 yards, not enough yards from him to really balance out um, the offense. But... The crazy thing is USC manages to hang on, right? And Christian Rector, Christian Rector is the guy, right? He stuck his hand up, he tipped the ball to himself, makes this diving interception, and in that one play, this big guy, he stops Arizona State's comeback. He's six foot four, two hundred and seventy pound defensive lineman. Single-handedly, I mean, I don't want to say that because you got to give credit to the whole team, but he stopped the he stopped ASU from coming back. Slovis threw for 432 yards and four touchdowns. Of course, great, but that interception with 25 seconds left is how USC held on to beat Arizona State. And I think Clay Helton couldn't. I mean, I hope that he gives that kid a medal or something because he saved. He saved the day um, and possibly Clay Helton's job. Because as we know, the new AD, there's obviously going to be pressure, but um, you can't jump out to a 28-point lead or 28 points in the first quarter, you know, and then uh, and then give up, give back a lot of those points. So uh, not great and, and very messy, but USC holds on to win and, and lives to fight another day. The Arizona State Sun Devils are going to have to regroup and deal with a lot of injuries that occurred in the game. Not a great day for them. So we'll have to see how they bounce back for next week. We have one game left, Washington State Cal. This one I got a few clips for, so I was curious how Mike Leach handled his postgame. And he had some very interesting things to say about the team, particularly how you can't, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, something of that nature. So I think that people are going to want to hear this. So we will check in on Leech and hear from Evan Weaver, Cal's tackling titan. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED. 
all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Just go to GetRoman.com locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. I think we played horrible today, you know? Um, yeah, we just couldn't pull it out there at the end. Um, but no, honestly, it, it's awesome, man. It's awesome to get a win. You know, four games, winning four games, losing four games. Jeez, we got to get back with the trend and win another four in a row. So, you know, it feels pretty good to get a win. Feels pretty good to sit up here and not all cranky and angry. So, you know, it's a it's a pretty good time. Pretty good time to be on the winning side again. I mean, October is obviously not our month the last two years. So let's make November. That was Cal linebacker Evan Weaver talking about how good it is to be on the winning side of things again. Cal obviously surprising some folks and beating Washington State 33-20 Saturday night at Memorial Stadium in Berkeley. Now, I told I told you and I had a couple people, I'm not going to say names, text me and say, "Hey, what do you think about this game?" I said, "Look, I think Cal's going to win this game." And not so much because I had that much faith in Cal's offense, which completely surprised me. I mean, Devin Modster had an incredible, incredible game. And credit where credit is due there, obviously, because it was phenomenal. You know, the passing game for the Bears, yeah, it was only 230 yards, but, you know, 16 of 24, averaging 9.6 yards per completion, uh, per attempt and 14.4 yards per completion three touchdowns. I will take that because that is way more than I thought Modster would do. He really just got in rhythm. Now, granted, it's Washington State's defense, which is pretty much, you know, non-existent, but it was good to see this kid get in a rhythm. And it was good to see the offense pulling its weight on a team where that has been driven by the defense. But ending the losing streak, I honestly had this feeling that Cal they were just going to to come in and win and win this game. I didn't think it would be the how they did it was different than I thought, but I did. Um, that was a, one of the games I actually got right. Uh, Cal's defense obviously played well, also, but it was really just the offense that was so surprising. And I'm sure you're sitting here wondering, okay, how did you know how did Cal? who, by the way, had an extra point attempt blocked and then run back for two points to start pretty much to start the game. How did Cal, you know, beat Washington State? And it's funny because Mike Leach, Cougars head coach, had something to say about why, you know, Washington State um, has been playing so poorly and feels like they've been regressing. You know, we've been talking about this explosive play thing for a while, and I'll tell you what the trouble with those expo- explosive plays are. I'll tell you exactly what they are. We go out there and play with eight instead of 11 because we are too soft and too undisciplined uh, to do what we're coached to do. And as coaches, <clears throat> we're not able to get the message through somehow. Um, and then all of a sudden it's not where, somebody's not where they're supposed to be, and so then we give up an explosive play. And uh, as a team, we're almost toxic on third down, both sides. And, and, and that's just toughness. That's just how bad do you want it. Now, offense isn't any better. I thought defense played better than offense today. I didn't think it. I, think, I thought the only team we had today that played well is field goal block. We may be one of the best field goal block teams in America. 
I mean, that's something, right? To be one of the best field goal block teams in America. Very, uh, something to, to hang your hat on, I suppose. Just as a point of reference, Mike Leach started this press conference by saying that the media heard his entire speech to the team in the locker room. Uh, for some reason, he thought that they could hear him. Probably much like he probably thinks there's listening devices and certain things uh, around the country, but I don't know. The media set him straight and said, no, we couldn't hear you. But, oh, you never know what you're going to get with a Mike Leach presser. But the things that he did say there were interesting about this Washington State team. And he says it in the we mentality. He says the coaches can't find a way to get the players to be tough. You know, and that goes back to what we talked about, um, about recruiting players that are tough, players that are athletic, um, it's not something you can necessarily coach up. It's something that you have to integrate in the program. We talked about that with Oregon State earlier in the podcast, talked about how this is a down year for that intellectual brutality at Stanford. So across the conference, having an issue with this this toughness and this mentality um, there. So Mike Leach nailing it on the head there, um, talking about, you know, how, how he needs tougher players. And I don't know. So... Um, turning point in the game, I think it's worth noting. Cal was leading 2014. Washington State faced a fourth and three from the Cal 14-yard line in the fourth quarter. Cougars quarterback Anthony Gordon, Gordon was stopped after a one-yard gain, turning the ball over. So they went for it on fourth down, which is a Mike Leach, you know, uh, cornerstone. But Cal's defense stopped him, and they turned the ball over to Cal with 10:31 left in the game. Now, you're probably saying, well, that's too much time. They could have come back. But it was more a, a matter of just um, sheer force of will by the Bears that you could see they were just demoralizing. Um, they were demoralizing the Cougars. And uh, it was just a momentum swing in that, in that very play. So it's interesting now. Cal stopped a four-game losing um, streak. And is back in the running for a bowl game, right? So now after beating Washington State, who was favored um, in the game, uh, they the Bears still have a shot at a winning season. They have a shot at, you know, bowl contention. So that's back on the table after what seemed like it might be a lost season after Garber's going down, Monster being kind of injured and in and out. So looks like they're getting back on track. Uh, Cal's bowl chances increased to 55%. With this win, they need one more win in their final three games to become bowl eligible. Um, but it's probably safe to get two just to when we're talking about um, bowl berths. So the next game, it will be Saturday, they play USC at home. Another not easy game, definitely going to be harder for the Bears than this one. But another game, you look at it and say, well, if Monster keeps getting better and playing that way and the defense keeps bringing it, why not? Why can't they beat USC, you know? And if they have Garbers back, which we still don't know what the status was, he was running around and pra- practicing in his sweats with the team prior um, to to Saturday's game against uh, the Cougars. So he is active, he's mobile, but, you know, um, head coach Justin Wilcox said it's up to the doctors. So 
We'll have to wait and see. Maybe we'll get some news on that this week. I'm going to be heading out to Cal practices this week to bring some interviews from the coaches and players your way. I'm going to look to get somebody uh, to talk about Colorado, like I said, hoping for Coach Chev if we can. And then maybe, you know, somebody from USC in the or the UW camp, other winning teams this week. So stay tuned because it's going to be a good week of podcast. Um, as always, make sure to download and follow the show um, subscribe wherever you listen. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Pack 12. And as always, stay tuned, stay sassy, and stay locked on Pack 12. <laughs> <laughs>